Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Eagle Pick Pod. Eagle Pickers, we are finally back after a week delay. Both Kobe and I were busy, and the D- the Dank Wager show did not make its first inaugural episode. But he is here. DK, how, how are we this evening? What up, what up? We're doing well. It's a pay-per-view week. I'm gassed. I'm coming off of a, a two-point set-the-spread victory, trying to pull back in the game. Let's get after it. Dan also told me uh, off-air that he's most excited for Carlos Barza Whaley Zhang, so we'll figure out why later in the episode. Uh, Country Club Kobe, I actually got to see you this weekend, but how are you? Yeah, it was good to see your mug out there, buddy. It was good out there, buddy. How are you though? Good. How'd you how'd you shoot? How'd you shoot down in uh, wherever you went? Oklahoma? Up in Oklahoma. It was good. Won the tournament. Team won the tournament. I didn't win the tournament, but I contributed. That's pretty good. Country club earning his country club name. That's all that is, really, is just country club being a country club. Yeah, vindication right there. So I missed last last week's card, have not rewatched it. Kobe was with me, right? Or no, I, it, I ended up rewatching a good amount of it. Okay, Kobe's up to date, and then Danny obviously degenerated it. But we're we're gonna short recap, and we're gonna start with actually the Coco main event. But Shailene Nerby and Beaky against Derek Minner. We missed that pronunciation. Ah, thank you, buddy. <laughs> and really, not a ton to recap in terms of the fight here. Yeah, uh, Minner comes in and looks. Even on the walk, it, it looks, uh-oh, something's up, and then immediately throws a kick. Announcers are noticing. Everyone in the crowd, everyone on TV is noticing, oh, he's compromising that leg, and then essentially taps to strikes in, in a minute in. And there was some funny business with the line movement beforehand. Went from 170 full, to, like, minus 380, 400. Something like a after, full 15, after the card had started. 17, uh implied probability points something i've never seen uh ufc is having the fight under investigation interestingly enough we've talked about james kraus in the past it was one of his fighters Derek minner that seemingly had the leaked injury into the betting market i'm not trying to say that he was involved at all or that anyone even in the sport where the ufc profited at all uh but definitely some funny business there well, Dan's not going to say it, but I will. Um, I get really shady vibes from James Krause, and I don't know the guy, and I don't mean disrespect. I know he runs his own podcast, and it's a betting-centric podcast, so I don't want people to think that's what this is about, like, oh, throwing shade. It's not. Um, it, but his the way he runs his podcast is very shady to me. Like, you can invest a bunch. You can give him money to bet for you red flag uh pay-per-views or uh he he does a subscription model which that one doesn't bother me as much i know that's like a means to an end i know we're weird for being free but that's just who we are but yeah he he gives me shady vibes and so 
This doesn't surprise me. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that James Krause was in fact either on the other side or knew about it and tipped people off or something. Cause this is, I think it's more than more than an injury that was undisclosed. I think this is like actual legitimate fraud. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever know the answers. So I guess we'll just stay tuned. It sucks because it, it kind of, not that it tarnishes the sport, but it makes the sport feel like it's not above board in a way that we know it is. Um, yeah, but press, and it comes a week after we literally just had the conversation of here's a memo to fighters and coaches. This is now illegal. All of a sudden, first chance that like something could go wrong. We're seeing something at least being investigated. And I think that all of us are looking at some red flags somewhere, whether it's that coming is from the camp or not. That is a good point that it was so close to that news of no fighter bets anymore. It's just, it's weird. And, and I don't even necessarily know if Derek Minner bet on the other side or if he just caught a bag or it's weird. And there's going to be a good, I know there's a lot of investigation. I, I think, I, I think that we'll end up finding something out, whether it's we specifically of, find something out or whether we see results of something being found out. I, I don't think it's good for us to be speculating on it. It just is kind of a sad, weird. Well, the only reason why I'm speculating is because I did see a tape review and I watched the, this fight in particular. And it is very interesting that Minner threw a kick, instantly showed up Gimp. First move is to rethrow the exact same kick with the hurt leg. Can honestly say I don't know if I've ever seen that in my entire life watching the sport. Getting hurt and then your next shot is with your crippled limb. It, it, it's weird. And then tapping the strikes and curling back. It's just, it's weird. I'm not saying I haven't seen people curl up. I'm not saying I haven't seen people tap the strikes. It's just for that type of line movement to happen and then this result happen, this isn't like a, oh, Sharp saw something. And it, I mean, people are laying it at minus 300, minus 350 for it to keep going up over 400. Most of the action was Nordenbike in round one. It was that specific. Really? Which makes it even more just loaded. Another yeah, question. I don't think that there's really any debate. We know what happened. We don't know how it happened, and we might not ever figure out how it happened. But well, my guess is James Krause is involved, and this is where the speculation starts stepping in. Let let's. But it let's doesn't. It okay. Well, but if you know something, and you're a listener, and you train with someone, you know something in the future. We're the guys to DM. So yeah, shoot us a DM. And then there, but then James Krause is in the news again with this whole saga that danny told us about in the group me i started watching a little bit i don't know that we'll, we can save that for news and notes and we'll just be like oh and i definitely don't want to act like an expert on that i was just all i know all i know is, is that what I, notes? from what i'm getting from megan anderson james Krause wheels that's all i know from my from what i'm getting from me, megan anderson is she doesn't want to work at espn mma anymore yeah but she also but james Krause also wheels because apparently people said that he banged Megan Anderson, and then Megan Anderson goes, you should talk to Laura Sanko about that, which means he ripped Sanko too, which is just 
Why? Allegedly. And that's not even, yeah, I guess allegedly, but. <laughs> you guess. All right. <laughs> All right. So that was Derek Minner. Um, ankle lock cashes yet again. And this brings us to 12. Back in the win column, because we actually, we, we missed on friend two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. We did. There's a miss um, on the, the pickers, too. And 13 then, and two in the new game. We remain in the top spot, 43 units green. Second spot, 37 units green. Third spot is not even within reach, like sub 20. Pays to listen. But we are in first. We're 12 and two. And I'm 13 and two. 13 and two. And I'm feeling good about this week as well. And that then, block, by the way, we didn't mention, but it was the under two and a half in Batista Lopez. Batista, or Batista. One-sided affair. No, yeah, Batista versus Lopez. It Picking up 50 Under two and a half. Bonus. Under two and a half. And the second place person had the fight to end in the distance, so we got a little bit more juice on them too, playing the sharp line. And then our backup line, or our country club Kobe pick, was Neil Magny, and that also won. So nice job, country club. Um, run through bonuses quick for, for the people. Four performance bonuses in order. Uh, Vidal from the Curtain Jerker. Okay. Good performance. Someone I'll like to pay in the future. Um, Pollyanna Viana. I mentioned Mario Batista. Well, speaking really quickly of Pollyanna Viana, apparently she tweeted that Colby Covington likes it in the butt. And she said no, and he cried about it. So just going to leave that there. Reese is dropping all the like. Right. Reese got sucked into Twitter dirt. this week. Yeah, Elon Musk comes in, changes the algorithm. Turns out I was Reese about to say, all like, I had a lot of time. There was no red Suddenly waves, it's all we... fingers and butts and Lorisenko. And is it weird that I believe both of them? <laughs> I really could see Colby Covington being like, stick a finger in there and then her going no and then him being like, what the it's fuck? not the first time that Reese believed everything that he's seen on the internet. So oh, we can just great. leave that there too. Here we go. Here we go. Attack, attack the end. Last performance bonus was also Neil Mag. Yeah, really great comeback for him. I thought that he was fading hard. And that one could have been fight of the night. Another thing with Neil Magny, too, is I know Kobe saw my tweet, hit a little like, but you know, I was driving it. I was just like thinking 20 wins as a welterweight is fucking ridiculous. I mean, we're not talking 20 fights. We're not talking tw- 20 wins. And you just know that there was probably some split decision cheese and some weird short notice shit and all that crap. And he's managed to get 20 wins. It just the names on the resume. It's legend. Gaston, yeah. Hector Lombard, it's Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, it's Leach, it's Robbie Lawler, Jeff Neal. These are there are no swatches here. He's a dog. Which, by the way, I met Jeff Neal this week. Really nice guy. Shout out Jeff Neal. Hopefully, well, he'll be a friend of the pod. Hopefully, he was really cool. Um, so shout out Jeff Neal. He's Love walking the car show with me in Dallas. It was pretty sweet. Um, okay, is that close the books for? I got I got a few more items. Women's dogs. Science, so women's dog where the favorite is less than minus 350. Yeah, we're sitting at 43 units green on the year. Mm-hmm. Still, we had a green weekend, um, with Lemos cashing above plus 200. 
we had I'm forgetting one fight, but we had one that closed above that oh, range. Nadal, no, Pasquale was the favorite, right? Brandon yeah. Maverick closed well above minus three fifty. Yeah, I knew that. And then and the, the other two were favorites. Light so green week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still plus forty three point two units on the year, and we're in November. And if you're following the ankle lock, it's almost a hundred units. Ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. But at last, shout out to those who listen. Anything to add on the main event here? I mean. No, I mean, I I, was, I haven't seen it. Just shocked that Marina lost. When I saw that, I was like, whoa. Did not see I, that coming. One thing that surprised me about it was that they didn't start fast enough for Lemos's power to fall off the wayside. I was surprised that she could carry her power into round three. Um, I, but the outcome doesn't so much surprise me. Really? The outcomes would surprise me partially because you would think – If Lemos was winning, she was going to catch her. Well, you would think with Marina's size and technical striking, like that big Muay Thai frame, that she would be a lot harder to land with. I need to watch it, though. I really haven't even seen it. So I want to see how she closed the distance and landed that left hook, but impressive. Uh, Hats off. Is that it? Okay, well, Country Club, you might as well just keep rolling because News and Notes is up next. Yep, let's roll into it. Um, first on my list was that Minner Nordan Biaka uh, investigation, Bika. so we hit that. Huh? I just re- was I was working on the pronunciation in case I... Yeah, there you go. Now that he's in the news, you might have to say that one a couple well, more times. Well, you know what else I just realized? We might, we might know via cuts. If Minner gets cut or Nermi and Biku gets cut, yeah, that could also. Sorry, I was just thinking that out loud because I was thinking like Minner, whatever. Um, speaking of cuts, let's move on to cuts. We haven't touched on them for two weeks. We had a ton of pink slips, um, so I'm gonna rattle through. You guys, stop me where you see fit. Darian Weeks. Dan was always fading that guy. Dan's just pissed because we lost a fade train. That's the problem there. Yes, sir. Jason Witt. Fade train bummer. Uh, Nick Maximov. So I have a question around this for you, Dan. Do we see Nick Maximov in the octagon again? No, but we're going to see him Bellator. We'll see PFL. You really don't think He'll he makes the fight pass. Okay. I, I don't think the UFC liked what they got in terms of signing him. And that's why he's out so early. I think he's still got the jujitsu prowess. He's still got the Diaz connections. He can still sell fights. But I feel uh, like as, a, as like an undercard guy, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we see him on fight pass and UFC uh, submission underground and stuff like that. But I don't see him back in the octagon now. Because I feel like in the, his mixed mixed martial arts career, he was still very raw. And Definitely. so, but you know who he, who he reminds me a ton of mm-hmm. is grapplers like Chris Lencioni and grapplers mm-hmm. like AJ Agazon that found a, a home in Bellator and even to a certain degree of Dylan D- Dennis who aren't made fight a lot, but are still these renowned grapplers. Um, I don't know if that's just us because we're maybe an Austin Vanderford ceiling. Okay. Okay. I mean, honestly, these Bellator PFL are getting really good talent. So seeing Nick Maxima fall there is not, it's not a, a big demotion in my opinion. So uh, I'm gonna keep rolling through here. Lewis Cosi. 
Dan, you still Orion's still, in? Orion's still in, in there? I didn't see a cut for him, but that just means it didn't happen in the last two weeks. Dan wants one on the pod still. I do. Orion was the one who was supposed to come on. Oh, Orion was. Yeah. Um, Mustafaya. Interesting. I wonder if there's a reason behind that. Misha Serkinov. Trash can, dude. Oh, and the thing that pisses me off about that, if you can't hear my voice, is he shouldn't be trash, but he is trash. And that's what pisses me off. He's built like a Mack truck, has extreme power, and is a, a incredible Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And he just sucks. I, I don't know. Pisses me off. Uh, Christoph Jokko. Shocked. I'm shocked by that. He might have been out of his contract. I don't know. I was about to say, especially with the weight class that needs bodies, shocked. That one I remember seeing and being shocked. Askar Askarov. Now, this is medical. I read up on medical. I read up on this because I was so shocked by that. And he was a guy that I po- poised to hold gold at some point. He is leaving the sport for medical reasons, undisclosed at this time. This is all from a translated Instagram post, if you want to go check it out yourself. And he, it sounded cryptic, but it sounded like he does intend on coming back eventually. But he said, I need to focus on my health. Health comes first. Can't fight without health. And it could be very similar to that Jimmy Flick situation, who I believe Jimmy Flick is looking to fight again. Um, and he took a long reprieve for health issues. So don't close the door on him. We're never selling. There you We're go. We're never selling. Diamond hands. We're never selling. Diamond hands. And last one, Joanna and Jacek. Yeah. Sad. But that was, that was when we saw it coming. She had laid her gloves in the octagon. Um, last piece of news and notes before we get into – oh, I'm just kidding. Two more uh, before we get into fight announcements. But Kane Velasquez just yesterday or today released on bail. So at least he'll get to go home after, what, eight months – in prison that that was a whole fucked up situation we've 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 hit on it before and i don't know how much time we want to spend on it now but good to see him at least being able to get home on bail yeah if you're home on bail bail, are you just free i'm sure you're under house arrest and you got to report to the parole officer and but like i don't don't know i'm sure there's different stipulations i was like because if you're on on bail does that just mean you're allowed to live at home or does that mean case closed you're good to go you pay. I definitely it. don't. It's not definitely case not closed. case closed. Okay. 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 So it's just you're allowed to live free until we determine what to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is what I. Okay. Okay. That that clears up a lot. Dude, Kane got robbed, but whatever. That man should have died, but that not Kane, the guy that Kane murdered. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Shane Burgos, unfortunately, out with an injury, so he will not be fighting at the end of the month here in the PFL Championship, whatever. Um, disappointing. but Disappointing, looking for a fill-in for his fight against Marlon Marais. It is disappointing, but gives Danny and I a chance to maybe get to interview the guy because we weren't going to make it out to the championship. We're going to try to make it out to PFL next year. Oh, yeah. So that might sync up, and we'll get some good content for the ankle pickers. All right, um, news and notes. Ready, or I'm sorry, fight announcements. Ready yeah, to roll. keep going, Country Club. News and, let's segue to news and notes. A week and a half from now, 
November 19th, Jan Kutalaba and Kennedy and Chuck Wu. Coming up quick. Banger. Yeah, that one's going to be exciting. We have three to announce for January 21st. That's UFC 283 in Rio. Uh, Terrence McKinney and Ismael Bonfin. Interesting. Finally getting the Terrence McKinney fight. I feel like it's been too long since we saw him. A little bit of that and also an interesting matchmaking for him. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, Also on 283, Tiago Moises, Guram Kutateladze. Saw that. Excited as shit for that because I think Tiago Moises. Excited for the set the spread there. Me too. But I don't think Tiago Moises gets as much respect as he does. Um, And I don't think as many people know about Guram that should. So that one's going to be a coming out, could be a coming out party for one of those gentlemen. Still on 283. This one has kind of been rebooked and then canceled. And then that one got scratched. But Jalten Almeida, Shamil Abdulrakimov. Whatever. What happened to Maxim Grisham? I saw he withdrew. Is he just not want that smoke? I, I think this was the shocked. initial fight. Mm. Max was filling in. And yeah, this was the initial fight. Max, Maxim was filling in what was supposed to be last weekend, and that got scratched. I don't remember why, but this is the original fight that they're now rebooking again for Rio, which is cool. Jalatan Almeida in Rio will be nice. I have a feeling it, that Toha burns on that fight. What are we doing? I know. I, he you see, uh, Neil Magny called him out. No way. And he, and he specifically said January 21st in Rio. I did not say that. That's, That's the fight to make. I was going to say, though, I think we're going to see a lot in uh, – I think we're going to see a lot of that in Jalton's future, the withdraws. I would not be surprised. I would not want to fight that man. Uh, last one to announce, Jim Miller and Gabriel Benitez for February 18th. Jim Props Miller. to Jim Miller signing on the dotted line another time. Dude, and he's going to win that fight too. You, you got oh. no faith in Mowgli? Well, Mowgli just has deficiencies, and Jim Miller can expose those said deficiencies. And that is what I love. Jim Miller's a fucking dog, too. Shout out Jim Miller, too. Had Lyme disease really bad, completely changed his health and diet regimen, fought through it, and is still fighting his and spanking. Dude, Jim Miller, one of the one of the goats. Love that guy. That'll put a bow on news and notes unless y'all have anything else. I have news and notes. I I have one thing that's personal to the Ankle Pick podcast. So I went to the Dallas Card Show this weekend, one of the reasons why I was out, and also saw a face with Kobe. And I got a uh, assortment of business cards. Very nice. Your boy over here was doing the, the what is it called? Social schmooze. The schmoozing, but uh, the, what's it called? Business relations. What's that called? networking networking doing some networking and i got the contact card for the guy who makes the ufc rookie checklist for panini so anyways he's gonna have some names in his ear so i'm firing off i'm firing off a shitload of names get tony gravely's card get jsp pierce's card before he's a belt holder and then we got to get and then basically we're going to basically say whoever comes on the co- comes on the podcast I'll add your name to this email. So if you want Start sports lining card, up boys. Right. That's what I'm saying. If you want a sports card and you are a fighter, slide into my DMs. I'm done DMing you. 
upper hand for the APP boys. Should we move it to? Oh, and I'm at I've got one question for Reese. When you're at those card shows, you're doing that networking, you're schmoozing. What are y'all sipping on? You know what, Dan? It's interesting you ask. Because most people see a a coffee cup and they're like, "Mm, I don't know what's in that coffee cup. But if they saw the smile on my face, they would know that there is a shot of Jepson's Malort in that coffee. And that is what I can, that's all I can tell you. It's the great, the great fruit aroma that Danny loves to mention on the podcast is always in my coffee cup while I'm walking those card shows. And Jeff Neal goes, Jeff Neal, I, I shake hands with him and he goes, it is so incredible to meet you. And I said, you know why that is, Jeff? Do you know why that is? Because I've already had two licks of Jepson's Malort. It's in my suitcase upstairs. That's all I have to say about that. No lie. I was at lunch today grabbing some chicken wings at just the local pub down the street. They've got a bottle of Malort on the shelf. I said, barkeep, come over here. Me and you right now. Malort at noon on a Thursday. We had, we had ourselves a time. Long, oh, yeah. long, long, lifelong friend created there. But if you couldn't tell by now, this week's episode, as always, is brought to you by our favorite, Jepson's Malort. Jepson's Malort, a grapefruit liqueur based out of Chicago, Illinois. It has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Try it straight, take a shot, and show off your Malort face. Its bitter, fa- its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers and two-fisted betters alike. Don't get that lost. I feel like this podcast should be named Full Body. Not only for the full body aroma of Jepson Smart, but the full body of Megan Anderson and Laura Sanko on, on James Cross's hit list. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. And for the body that cane dropped, allegedly. Um, okay. we, we did talk about all the dirt, and I do want to mention that Megan brought up some real camp issues about Glory calling out that when she was training for the Nunez fight, she didn't get enough personalized training, but that's Jeff neither Molina here nor there. Said, it's a, yeah, I'm yeah. about the right. Jeff Molina shut that down, who was in camp the whole time. And so I, I don't really want to take a side there. I just want to report on that before we get off the news and notes. I want to take Jeff Molina's side. Jeff Molina seems like a good dude. He does seem like a good dude, but Megan Anderson is. Anyways, we're get we digress. Um UFC 281, Madison Square Garden, New York City. That is November 12th, this Saturday, 9 p.m. Central Time main card. So that's what, 10 p.m. local time. 5 p.m. Central Time prelims, 6 p.m. local. I mean, yeah. And it's a card, too. Because I, as taping this week was a joy. And I know Danny knows what I'm talking about. Because it was, it was so, it was, it was such a treat. So here's what we got. More potential units on the line than really any any card i can remember so I, i'm excited to see if you agree i'm excited to see where we end up uh I've got, some question marks, I've got some question marks listed next to these guys uh to some of them some of them i'm, I'm pretty excited about but yeah uh, this is this actually kobe is one of those rare cards that does is very favorable for betting it's a great card and there are some sides so let's start dan because i wonder if we're going to disagree and the I've got a side right off the bat. We do have a side right off the bat. And it's actually something I wanted to float by you for potential ankle lock. I, I like this a lot. And that's Carlos Olberg versus Nikolai Negamariano. I love the Carlos Olberg side. And he's currently sitting at minus 130 on DraftKings, which I was a little bit surprised by. So because I'm already 
amped about this and I want to sell and I want to sell you on the potential idea of the ankle lock. Here's here's where how I came to this. I taped Mega Marianu for the Eor Pretoria fight and the Kennedy uh and Jack Wu fight. Kennedy lost because he, he was an idiot. A lot of point deductions there. And Mega Marianu doesn't take his head off the center line, marches forward, a, a, a brawler. Carlos Olberg is perfect stylistically, or vice versa. Mega Marianu is perfect stylistically for Carlos Olberg. Olberg learned his lesson. He's young in MMA, learned his lesson by gassing out against Kennedy. But as far as like a legitimate technical striker goes, Carlos Olberg is so far and away more advanced. I think he could piece him up on the outside. I think he could close the distance and tag him. I think you see the leg kicks and body kicks working. And I think unless Carlos Olberg shoots himself in the dick like he did in Kennedy uh, against Kennedy, it, this is his fight to lose. Love the 130 price tag too. I think this should be a lot higher, 160, 170. I'm really happy you see it that way. Yeah, and I don't have a ton more to add. Mariano's best quality for me you are is with me though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His best quality is his grit, is his toughness. He, and that means he's hittable. This yep. is not a guy where you can rush in and take a few shots to land one of your own because Olberg's a sniper. And Olberg will put you out with a perfectly accurate shot. That's, that's just what City Kickboxing does. He's going to land. He's going to land with power. And Negu Mariano just does not have the style to eat 100 shots to land 50. No, he does not. And that is why I wanted to float that out as a potential ankle lock. So I feel good about that. Put a pin in that, Kobe. Put a pin in that for a potential ankle lock. I like that. Um, next one up the card, Julio Arce versus Montel Jackson. This one's a little bit trickier for me to pick. So Montel Jackson minus 200, Julio Arce plus 170. Lined opened at Montel Jackson minus 150. Got a lot of action early. Any side lean for you, Dan? I This is a pass for me. Yep. Um Montel at his very best is a dangerous, dangerous fighter. Um, he's super strong. He's super big. He does carry some power. Uh, he's never beaten anyone that's super high level to me. Is that's, that's a big drawback. And I do think that Julio Arce is the better technical fighter here, um, maybe in all facets. He's good off his back foot. Uh, he likes to counter strike, but doesn't ever really get out volumed. So I think that if Montel struggles to hurt him or, or really get him on the mat, it's going to be Arce's fight to lose. And the dog price is enticing, but he, he Arce is at such a ath- athletic disadvantage that it's hard for me to pull the trigger there. Um, and I can see a situation where it's just a complete one-sided fight and Montel runs over him. Yeah. If I had to pick gun to my head, um, I, I, I am taking Montel Jack, obviously, as a favorite. But, like, if I if I had to pick a bet here, I would probably sprinkle uh, Julio Arce. I think that if, if from a value perspective, if I had to bet, you're one of those DGens who needs to bet on every single fight. I sprinkle Arce because I think that's the – he at 170, he gives you a little bit more value than that. But, again, Dan, if you told me I wake up the next morning and you go, yeah, oh, yeah, Montel Jackson steamrolled him, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would buy that, you know. It would have to be, but Montel Jackson thrives with size and Julio Arce is a, ma- Arce is a massive 135 er So it's not going to be as big of an advantage that Montel Jackson's used to having. He's still got a good three inches on him and five and a half of reach. 
Exciting fight, though, nonetheless. Uh, that's like a fight that I'm excited to watch for, even though I'm not going to be betting anything on it. Mike Trezano against Sangwoo Choi at 145. Trezano is plus 145. Sangwoo Choi minus 170. Lined opened at Sangwoo Choi minus 180, actually. And this is weird. So it went from minus 180 to like minus 150 and then slowly trickled back all the way to 170. So early sharp action on Trezano, and then it's just slowly trickled back on Sengwu Choi to kind of even out from where it opened, which is interesting. You don't see that type of uh, discrepancy from, from sharps often. Dan, I like Sengwu Choi here. Both these guys, you could argue, are fighting for their job on a pink slip aspect. Uh, Sengwu Choi lost two in a row. One to Alex Caceres, just Horrible split decision to Cooley Bow. No problems there. Trezano came out of the gate hot from the ultimate fighter. And now he's in a similar spot where he's lost. Let's see. So he came on the ultimate fighter. He's lost three of his last four. Only win being over Ludovic Klein, which is a great win. Ludovic Klein's phenomenal. Who was not decisive. I think you could have given that to Ludovic. You could have, even though it was unanimous. Um, But So I think that the competition level is a lot stronger on the side of Mike Trezano. I mean, Grant Dawson, he catches bodies. Um, Hakeem Dawudu, I find myself, I mean, Hakeem a lot. Um, Lucas Almeida, up and comer. But Sengu Choi, to me, I think, provides a problem for Trezano. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough matchup. Because Trezano's uh, going to try to grind it out, I think. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of clinch work. But Sengu Choi is massive and long and technical. That unless Trezano kind of chains a takedown or takes his back from the cage, from like the clinch, I don't know how he plans on winning this if he plans to keep it standing. But that's my opinion. I don't and know. I think that Trezano is going to keep it standing. That's where he feels more comfortable in the fight. He's not a guy that I've seen that can just prove to me he's going to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Uh, and like you said, Choi's range and his Muay Thai, and he uses that length to, to help him strike and help him keep the distance. It's it's going to help. It's going to be a difficult puzzle, uh, like you said, for Trezano to get inside on the feet. Any plays here from you? This is one I have a question mark near. I like that 165 number from Choi. Yeah. Not sure that I love it. Uh, that that's one that you're gonna have to wait and see on Saturday. See, that's a it's a question mark one for me too. And I was bef- without checking lines, just taping. I was thinking about maybe the over, um, but the juice is a lot. It's like two twenty five, so I'm laying yeah. off the over. Um, but yeah, choice interesting. I also was tempted. We'll see. Because the line's working its way back. So if it creeps, if he keeps creeping to like closer to open that minus 180, it's a pass. Next fight up the card, Silvana Gomez Juarez versus Carolina Kovalkovitz. Minus 110 each way. Man, th- my pronunciations, Country Club, have gotten so much better through the through all these crazy names. Uh, line opened at Carolina Kovalkovic, minus 170. It's now 110 each way. Dan. I wanted Sil- uh, Silvana Gomez-Suarez, um, but I think you missed it. I think you missed it. I don't I think know. at this point, I agree more with the open. I-, I know that it's a tough pill to swallow and that Sylvie is dangerous. It's like a truck for women. Uh, 
but she lacks any kind of submission defense. I've seen that as a huge red flag. Carolinas has had her ups and downs, mainly downs recently. I'm not going to steer away from that, but I do see her as the more complete fighter. And uh, really interesting because she is a more complete fighter, but I want to ask you a question. I don't want to chuck you on the spot here, but I'm going to. Remember back in the day when we were talking about how uh, you might not know this. That's why I'm bringing it, pulling it up. How uh, Caitlin Jukakian was one foot in, one foot out. We find that here with Carolina Kovalkiewicz, where she is saying that if she loses this fight, she retires. If she wins, she'll keep fighting. I didn't know that. Very it's tough. It's it's the it's other the reason why too. I'm ultimately going to pass on Frankie Edgar and down the line, and not mm-hmm. to um, give away my hand there. The but other thing, yeah, too, that's the spot that I'm into. The other thing too is, I know I worry about the uh, takedown defense and the submission uh, grappling defense as well. But I think this is going to be a fight that stays standing, which drastically favors Gomez Suarez, not because Carol Carolina is not more technical, but she throws a lot lower volume. And she lost to Michelle Waterson on the feet. She lost to – that's really the bad – not a bad one. I mean, Michelle Waterson's a great striker in her own right. But, um, like, Alexa Gross, you're not going to beat up, beat her up over. But, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you Carolina off. Just, no, no, you're good. Carolina just has, for me, the – far better level of experience and in a fight where it's going to be two low level women i'll take the experience edge and the perceived odds edge at this point where the person, where the where yeah. the line is and i i that's not to say it's on my card because it won't be but yeah. i do I'm like the cole cavit side at this number in this point in time yeah i'm passing as well i i think i i, I think you i think juarez at 140 is actually a bargain because of that power aspect um but here 110 each way yeah i don't know just i mean carolina has been in there with andraj and joanna young jacek and alexa grosso and you rose nama losses rose nama Yunus is a win well you name i my sentence already started <laughs> um gomez suarez has been in there with names like na liang She's and, lost to like and Vanessa Demolopoulos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 news for Carolina being one foot in, one foot out, at peace with the idea of retiring if she loses, definitely makes that one ten harder to to jump. And at on. this point, we've talked about a bad fight for too long, so let's get yeah. on to Isaiah Tire Frivola. Look at you with the pacing. I want everyone in your car to give Dan a round of applause for that for that pacing move. I'm actually curious for you, Dan, on this one. Ottoman Azatir versus your boy, Matt Steamroller Frivola. Um, Matt Frivola. This is another one I have a question mark near. Okay, so Ottoman Azatir is minus 145. Steamroller Frivola plus 125. Ottoman Azatir opened at minus 125, so just a little bit. Whoa. So he opened at minus 125, instantly flipped to plus 125. So it flipped on its head within two days and then has trickled all the way back and then some to minus 142. Wow. That's some line movement. So, so Zaytar is coming off a long layoff. Yeah. Which which was the fight Island fight with the mysterious bag canceled bow. No, wasn't that two fights ago? No, I I think that he hasn't fought since then. It was the canceled fight in between. I remember that. I thought no, that was the Kamu Pakaleni fight. Was that not? 
No, I think that was against Frivola. Wow. Okay. And I that that situation isn't really factoring in so much, but the layoff is. Um, Zaitar at thirteen and zero is not a full time mar- mixed martial artist. He's not a guy that's fighting for his career. He actually has a ton of wealth and does not need to fight. Um, he's yeah, why, do you know why he has so much wealth? I knew he I'm had a lot sure. of wealth too, I and know. I wasn't sure why. Okay, sorry, proceed. Um, I, I I don't know. I just know the narrative is that he doesn't really need to be no, he he's okay with the layoffs. And but he but he loves the sport and he's fucking phenomenal. He's dangerous. He's dangerous, powerful on the feet. That being said, if he doesn't get the KO, the longer that this fight goes, I like the steamroller. I like the grind. He's got crazy good cardio. He's got the much better grappling here. And I know I said that it has a kind of a drawback for the Nigu Marianu, but he's he's got this innate ability to grind on people. And it's not the same way as Nick, where he's grinding and taking damage. He's, he's grinding on you a little bit leaning on the durability, but not nearly as much, just making things difficult, trying to drag you into deep waters, trying to see if you can swim. And I like the the little bit of plus money here on the steamroller to take this fight into the second round, to take it into the deep waters, the third, and see if Otman and Zaitar off a two-year layoff can swim. I love that. I love that. I was worried. If you're backing steamroller here, you need to be prepared for him to go in there and get knocked out, similar to Terrence McKinney. That yeah, is the first five positive. seconds. Yeah, that's that's, that's on the positive. table. But the longer this fight goes, the better and better it should look for Matt Travola. Went to decision with Armin Saruki and although lost mm-hmm. it. And then did you know he beat Jalen Turner via unanimous decision? That's pretty tight. So I could back steamroller. Have you seen his tapology picture, though? Because that is a heinous crime recently changed he i think he submitted that himself is the what i'm hearing from oh my god that is the worst (laughs) thing i've ever seen what i'm hearing from the grapevine is that he reached out to tapology himself to get that no way oh my god that is the worst photo it's right there with uh some guy from contender series looked like he was a bmw sales my favorite one is still mr finland yeah yeah. mr finland still has the best all the listeners can tell we spend way too much time on tabology okay andre petrovsky dan's go-to fade against dan's go-to fade wellington turman what is dink wagers gonna do we'll find out is going to pass yeah. <laughs> I'll give you my uh, breakdown. Well, Wellington Terman's plus 165, Andre Petrovsky minus 195. Not and the numbers here. really why I'm so thrown off by this. Petrovsky's a guy, Risa said it, I faded him. It's been good, it's been bad. Um, but throughout that process, he's had some fucking crazy lines. And this is another one that just is like, really, dude? Nick yeah. Maximov, he's a plus 300 underdog. Nick Maximov just got cut. Nick Maximov had no experience. And now, I mean, he did run through Nick. And Nick is a guy I've spoken highly of in terms of the grappling department for, like, no no shame in that. But we're going to say that he's a two-to-one favorite now over Wellington Terman, who's got no serious red flags, no serious holes in his game. He, it's not – I'm not trying to say he does anything terrific because he doesn't. Like you said, I, I, he's a guy I bet against in the past and probably will in the future. But I don't see any reason for Petrovsky to – for the line to swing this much. Um, he's only done really the unexpected. 
and like both in a bad and a good way. He comes in as minus five, 600 favorite against Michael Gilmore, the tough finale, a guy who was just uh, like getting his favor back from the UFC after stepping in as a like um, alternate or whatnot during the show. And they fight for two tough rounds, two rounds that Petrovsky was not dominating. Ultimately he did get the finish, but that was not a good fight for him. And, and even he was actually a lot. He was actually a live dog in Vegas at one point on the live odds. I don't doubt that. Even in the house, it's against guys like Brian Battle, where he's supposed to have extreme grappling advantages. He's getting choked out. It's just, yeah. it's interesting. He's not it a guy I feel comfortable at all trusting as a two to one favor right now. Um, but I, I just won't be backing the tournament side either. I don't see. Um, I don't see a direct path to victory. I could see a lot of ways where he could win if the fight plays out this or that. Not with, I just don't want to back with my money. So if you're a DJ again, um, you need to have some action. I would be taking Wellington Terminator as the dog. I too, Dan, as far as track goes and laying off, being responsible. Aaron, if you need reason to back, last thing, if you need some reasons to back Termin, he's a decent enough striker and grappler, has proven cardio. Uh, training partner of Glover Teixeira and Alex Pereira on the main event of this card, so you know that that camp's taking this yeah. this event super seriously. Um, and the shoot to box, they're they're going to move forward. He's going to be the optics are going to be that he's the tougher, stronger fighter in even striking scenarios. And he, 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 and he subbed he, he subbed Misha Serkinov so easily, and so which is so impressive. Serkinov's really high level grappler, so you know. Wellington by sub, if the line's juicy, that might be an option too, but I'm not taking Andre Petrovsky. I, I refuse. So Wellington is the dog. Dan and I've had this one marked in our books forever. Aaron Blanchfield, the parlay piece of all parlay pieces, minus 390 against a fan favorite meatball Molly McCann. And the line was 390. I'm double checking to make sure it's still 390. Nope, it's 410 now. Aaron Blanchfield minus 410. Meatball Molly plus 330. He's still parlayed at 410. I'm off. I'm off. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've had this fight circled since it came out, uh, since the opening line happened. It was open at minus 255, Aaron yep. Blanchfield. Yep. And me seeing that, I'm licking my lips. I'm like, Aaron Blanchfield's legit. Stylistically, I'll take the grappler over the striker. The public's going to come in heavy on Meatball Molly, and we're going to get a gift at minus 200 come fight night. Holy crap, this is going to be – I'm going to break all of my rules for women's favorites. I'm going to bet this big. We're going to get a great price. And that didn't happen at all. People are high on Blanchfield. Um, I expect there to be some steam on, on McCann come fight night, but I can't wait for that as a handicapper, and I can't expect that uh, to happen in terms of planning out my card. So in all honesty, I'm starting to think that this line is getting really out of whack and I'm looking at the meatball Molly side. Whoa. I don't think that I'm going to play it. Whoa. But am I, you watched the first round against JJ Aldrich, right? I did. And that is, and but she just also, could not, she could not take also, JJ down. You also watched that Miranda Maverick fight. Oh, of course. I think that, that was one where Miranda expected to come in and be the better. Yeah, I remember she's 23, Aaron Blanchfield's 23. She's fought crazy talent so far, being just 23. And I kind of think that 
If I had to predict how this fight goes, I think Meatball Molly looks to set up another spinning back elbow, gets taken down. That's the night. That's, that's my why. Prediction. That's why you're a smart handicapper. But there's also, but there's also a reason why we blindly play women's dogs. And Molly's a tough cookie to crack. She's got decent takedown defense. She does not accept bottom position very well. I struggle. I struggle. I, you know, you know me. I struggle to say there's ever value on Meatball Molly given her position, especially in the U.S. right now, um, and especially backed by a U.S. gambling company in Barstool Sportsbook. But this, even with the stylistic matchup favoring Blanchfield, it's too steep for me to lay this line. I can't touch it. I agree, but I might parlay it. I wanted to parlay it with uh, potentially Poirier pays minus one twenty. So put a pin in that as well. Um, what women's favorites that close above minus three fifty so far this year? Fourteen and one. Yeah. Wow. The Should one be fourteen and two. Lupi Godinez, Angela Hill. Should and be I fourteen would, and two. Shout out Valentina Shevchenko. That is part I was on. I was on Lupi. Lupi Godinez, the one time I lay it, tragic. You were also on, um, was it uh, Tatiana Suarez against Valentina Shevchenko? That no. should have won. No, you're, you're, uh, Santos. Tyler Santos, Tyler Santos, not Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana's long since removed. All right. Dominic Reyes. Tyler, Ryan. Tatiana, Brazilian. Do- Dominic Reyes. It's not so bad. Dominic Reyes, Ryan's fan. Dominic Reyes minus 215. Ryan's fan plus 185. Line hasn't moved a whole bunch. Dan. I am a perennial Ryan Span fader. It is the easiest thing to do because you either get a good Ryan Span and your bet's over really quick, or you get a dog shit Ryan Span and your bet's also really quick. He trains out of Fortis. He switches off, wins, loss, wins, loss, barely beats Sam Alvey, then gets destroyed by Johnny Walker, beats Misha Serkinov, destroyed by Anthony Smith, destroys Ian Kutalaba. This man is a menace and a maniac. Damn, I cannot get myself to bet Dominic Reyes minus 215. I have tried, and I've tried. And the three-fight losing streak doesn't bother me because it's against Yuri Pohashka, Jan Blahovich, and John Jones. It doesn't bother me. But Dan, Dan, I'm worried this man's going to give his neck. Dan, I'm worried this man's going to give his neck. Try to convince me he's not going to give his neck, Dan, because I want to add Dominic Reyes to parlays. And I haven't been able to do it. Here's the thing. I, I, I see your hesitation and I don't like the parlay ad. I think if you're going to play Reyes, play him straight. He's not that huge of a line. Um, and at his best, he should dominate Ryan's fan. Although I, I do see your hesitation. Ryan's really dangerous. He's got power. He's got, like you said, some slick submissions. I think he has, like nine, I think he has nine or 10 guillotine submissions on his record, which is crazy. It's but something I think he's only got something like, one decision victory. It, it's he's not a guy that I, I, I might have been misspeaking there, but he's not a guy that I'm super worried about in late rounds. He's not a guy where come the 10 minute mark of this fight, I think he's dangerous. Um, I've seen it though, but he, he's also just made poor decision after poor decision after poor decision, which is why we tend to fade him. But if you get good Ryan Span, I actually think he can get it done. I really do. It's all about if what you get good. If you get the best Ryan Span and the best Dominic Reyes, it's still a one-sided beatdown where Dominic Reyes smokes it. It's interesting. I don't know if I see it that way. So are you? Uh, so let me ask you a follow-up question. Sounds like you're on Dominic Reyes. 
I will be. I, I just decided that. Wow. I actually see, I perennially fade Ryan's fan. I, I think in my crystal ball, I do see Dominic Reyes winning, but I cannot get myself to play it. I've tried. Dominic to- Reyes mentally has been in a bad spot since the decision yep. against John Jones, where yep. I was in the building and I scored it for him. And we don't have to get into that, but he's just not, he, he took that loss way harder than any like one-sided beatdown, like a Holloway cater kind of stuff. It, it, that was harder on him, even though he didn't take the damage. Um, than any fight he's been in. And I think he's taken the appropriate time off. He's only fought killers since then. I think that this is his shot to look high level again. And I think that people are kind of forgetting he is high level. And he did go toe-to-toe no, for five yeah, rounds. He's with, incredible. With your goat. He's incredible. It's just... Oh, just please don't get subbed, kid. If you don't get subbed, this is he's gonna crush this fucker. Um, if, he, if he's back mentally and he's and he's a good version of Dominic Reyes, I'm so excited for this fight. He's gonna look minus four fifty. Another banger, Hineto Moicano against Brad Riddell. We're fan favorites of both these gentlemen. Brad Riddell finds himself at plus a hundred. Hineto Moicano minus 120 on the other side opened at 125 not a shitload of or i think let me check again no opened at 110 each way little bit of movement not a huge deal dan does moicano sub riddell because we know that on the feet riddell is used to be the tiger muay thai head striking coach i believe went toe-to-toe with fazeev for a while so you have to ask yourself does Brad Riddell get subbed? I don't think he does. And I love yeah. me some Riddell here. Like you said, he's the much better striker than whoa, Moicano. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Rewind. You love you some Riddell here. Are you placing Riddell? I am placing Riddell here. Wow. Okay, so you know what? I'm just going to give the floor to you quickly. Please explain why you're why you are putting your hard-earned cash on Riddell. And then, I think real quick, can you tell me why I'm wrong for already having placed and that's what kind of Casual so, sharp. Let's go. I love these. I think we've seen the ceiling of Hinata. Um, I think that he struggled a lot versus Alexander Hernandez, um, ultimately getting a big moment in that comeback in the second round and had a little bit of a moment. And all of a sudden we're having a short notice, like weird lined um, RDA fight where he gets absolutely exposed. And a guy like Brad Riddell coming off of two losses to Jalen Turner and Fazeev, two really, really dangerous motherfuckers. He by Turner. It was a club and sub, though. It was right. a club. Oh, I want, yeah, he, he got hurt, and, and Jalen Turner jumped on the neck, who he, which he's capable of doing as a long, lengthy, dangerous striker. Jalen Turner is a guy I'm really high on. But like you said, Brad Riddell is a former uh, – Striking coach, I think you said Tiger Boy type, but it, city kickboxing. I he thought fought, it was Tiger Boy type. Well, because he fought sure Fazeev, never was, was I think it's also Tiger Boy type, to be honest with Fazeev you. Fazeev was the head coach at Tiger Boy type. No, I know. Fought, I think Riddell was before him. I think Riddell yeah, was before him. I might be wrong. I might be wrong too. Whatever. We. I've got Riddell with underrated takedown defense, great kickboxing combos, much higher level than level than Hanato. Guys like Fazeev, guys like Dober, guys like Turner. They're just on a different level of danger on the feet. I don't see Riddell having problems again. I don't see him getting caught. And I don't and I don't see Moicano being able to just wrestle Riddell at will. 
It's not something that almost anyone's been able to do. And Moicano's not just been a terrific wrestler, really at all. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you quickly Juanetta Moicano's only defeats. Brian Ortega, Jose Aldo, Prime Koreans, eh, not pri- Korean Zombie. One of the better versions, Korean Zombie, 2019 Korean Zombie, Rafael Fazeev, RDA. Wins. Alexander Hernandez sub, Jai Herbert sub, Demir Hadzovic sub, Cub Swanson sub, Calvin Cater unanimous decision, Jeremy Stevens decision, Tukagov decision. Um, so I ask you, what side of the coin does Riddell fall on? And I have a, a bad feeling that it's it's the side of the Alexander Hernandez Jai Herberts. I think that I think that if this stays standing, Riddell is going to deliver a lot of damage. However, I do see this getting to the clinch, and once this is in the clinch, I think Moicano has a lot of paths to victory. I favor Riddell in the clinch. And that's that's the funny thing. Well, maybe let's maybe, let's do a thing. Let's do a thing. I've got well, maybe something Chris, here that we both love. Um, I think that it's got like an unusual botanical taste to it, savored by two fisted drinkers. How about we throw a couple shots of this on the line, given that the line's pretty close to even. And uh, I'll take the I'll take the head coach of City Kickboxing coming in with an army of hookers. All right, fine. I'm gonna add this twist. Adesanya. I'm gonna. I, I want Kobe to be on the other side of this one. I'm always yeah, I'm on, on it. Guys. I was about to jump in. All right, we have it. Put the shot list down. How many, Dan? Th- two? Three? Three? I'm game with whatever. That's a two? Two. We're going to have a two-shot Malort bet. It will be posted on TikTok and our Twitter between Country Club Kobe and Dan Dankwagers. Country Club, you have the slight favorite, Juanetta Moicano. Dan, you have the even money city kickboxing prodigy, Brad Riddell. Brad? It is Brad a bet, Riddell. what I think. Let's I, do it. I see some. I thought I said Brad Riddell. Did I say like, you did. No, yeah, I was just uh, adding his nickname. Yeah. Quake. It is time. Oh, let's go! Finally, one I'm not in. Great time to be a. Great time to be an equal picker. Content galore. Um. So if you are a listener and you're looking to bet, if you want to ride with Team Country Club, get on Moicano. If you want to ride with Team Dank Wagers, get on Brad Riddell. I will be passing. I'm here for sheer chaos. Two shots of the grapefruit botanical will be enough for me. All right, let's get to this main card. UFC 281, Dan Hooker, Claudio Puelles. I think this is one of the hardest fights to determine, and I really want to hear your opinion, Dan. Dan Hooker is minus 145. Claudio Puelles plus 125. Dan Hooker opened at minus 200 and has gotten steamed all the way down. Claudio Puelles is a master of the, of the knee bar and the leg locks. So that's the question. How, what level of mastery is, is Claudio Puelles? I think for just the knee bar, leg locks, high. Um, if this stays standing, Dan Hooker is going to dismantle him. Um, that's why I've gone back and forth on this all 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 week. I think I had this Claudio- one circled for a potential ankle lock. It shouldn't be a surprise because I've backed him in the past. I've been confident okay, I'm in out. the past. I'm, out. I'm on all I'm of out. his teammates this week. 
I'm out. Dan Hooker. It's a city kickboxing okay. takeover I'm out. in New York. It's a city kickboxing takeover in New York. I'm out. I, I refuse to put that as the ankle lock because I think Claudio Puelles, this could be his coming out party. 26 years old. He's really, really talented grappler. At one, you No, know, he's really, really talented at one thing. He has no wrestling. He has a he beat Jordan decent Levin. top game. Jordan Lovett's a wrestler. What, what are the stats like in that fight? He's learning as he has they, zero wrestling game. He's learning as he goes. He's a guy who couldn't outstrike Jordan Levitt. He's a guy that looked weird against – or Chris Krusemacher looked weird against him. That's not so much his fault. But I am so confident in Dan Hooker here. He's a top-10 gatekeeper at this point in his career, and he knows it. But the gate is so shut for Claudio Puelas. And if you're going to bet at any side of this fight and you haven't watched – the um, Dan Hooker and Twistle fight. You got to go watch that. And Twistle came into the UFC as a leg lock, heel hook specialist. They immediately got tangled. No panic. For those that, who are confused, Dan's talking about a fight that took place in 2014. But that wasn't the most recent time that Dan Hooker's been in, involved in a leg lock scenario. Um, Eli Aquinta shot for leg locks in their fight in 2019. And not only was Dan Hooker sly and able to get out, he had a whole like Nate Diaz flex, Tony Ferguson moment where he looks at the camera in the judges booth and goes, no shot. And then just delivers hammer fists and gets out of that. He's so confident there. Believe me, if you think he's not been training that the entire fucking No, I know he has, but I I think that you're. And he's not lost on the ground. This is a guy that has subs on his record. I wouldn't be surprised. You want to hear this, Reese? I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Hooker submits Claudio Puelas. I think that you're, I think you're thinking that Claudio Puelas is, is way more one dimensional than he actually is. I know that he's one dimensional. I think that you think he has another skill. He can't, he is, he is lost on the feet, at least compared to Hooker, and he has no wrestling. He's not great in the clinch. He's not great on top. He's not great on top. He's got good movement. He is, he's great at snatching up legs. I'll give him that. He's absolutely terrific at it. I'm not ready to say that that's enough to beat a guy. Well, like I'm not ankle locking it. Veto on the ankle lock. Dan, do you know City Kickboxing's record outside of Volk and Izzy? Thank you, Coach. I don't. It's something like 33 and 25. But who's all included in that? Kai Carfranz, Dan Hooker. Um, I don't know. I saw Paul this on Twitter. Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell. Whatever. We're, we're getting, we're getting uh, off topic, but... I don't know, Dan. I don't know if that adds up. It definitely does. Frankie Edgar, oh Chris, Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez at 135. This is the farewell tour for Frankie Edgar. It is his very last fight. Frankie Edgar comes in at plus 195. Chris Gutierrez minus 230. This opened at Chris Gutierrez minus 130 and has just been smashed to oblivion. I, Dan, sorry, I can't move on. Kobe, there's so many caveats to that. You got to only include Dan Hooker's record as a as a lightweight, first of all. No, you got to only that's include Izzy's record as that's a, bullshit. What do you mean? Why Dan Fox, for the conversation we're having about 281, where he's fighting at lightweight? No, I know, but but the stat that Kobe is saying is city kickboxing. 
When he when he fought at 45, he was still a city kickbox guy, Dan. Never Sorry. Once I go, never Sorry, once in, in any of these breakdowns, never once in any of these breakdowns have I gone in and said, oh, these fighters are going to win because they belong to this gym. That's not true. You, you kind of just said that. I said that city kickboxing was going to have a takeover. I said that city kickboxing was going to have a takeover, but it has nothing to do with the gym that they're in. You also kept saying, oh, city kickboxing parlay is going to win tonight, and then it doesn't. I never once said that. That was a Max Shiner. tonight. You've No. Oh, my gosh. You cannot put those words that in my mouth. That long ago? I you cannot yeah. put those words in my mouth. Whatever. I don't, know why, I don't know why we're I'm going to find it on Twitter, whatever I was reading, because okay, I want to credit it, too. That's great. I'm just not – I'm not asked about fucking Dan Hooker losing to Yair Rodriguez. Like, it's just not – and Edson Barbosa. Like, those are, those are not going into my okay. Dan Hooker stats. Okay. Frank Yeager's farewell tour, plus 195. Chris Gutierrez, minus 135. Dan, is there any spot to take Chris Gutierrez, or is it completely gone? Um, I think it's gone. But before I get into this fight, I do want to give a shout-out as Gutierrez, factory, factory X Muay Thai guy. Mark Montoya, the head coach over there, um, is going through it. He had staph infection, went to the hospital because of – had kidney failure because of the staph infection – and they found a cancer on his kidney. Oh, so he, he is absolutely going through it. Uh, shout out to all those guys at Factory X Muay Thai. Um, yeah, just my thoughts are with Mark. Um, that being said, yeah, yeah, heavy. That being said, Gutierrez is going to try and chop at Edgar's legs. Um, he's a talented striker. I don't want to look past Gutierrez. I like Edgar in this spot. If Edgar wasn't retiring, if he wasn't one foot in, one foot out, I like him to be the answer again, just to be frustrating. And, and we saw two great rounds against Cheeto Vera, even in his last fight out. Um, it, it's definitely possible. I just don't like him. Yeah, I, I have no intentions on backing either of these at this price, but. I think that if I had to predict this fight, Frank Yeager's had a tough time checking kicks for a majority of his career. I think you're going to see just leg kick after leg kick after leg kick. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping Frankie gets it done, but I I'm not putting my heart on cash there. Um, but still a, a good fight, but I, it's a pass for me. Poirier Chandler, one fifty five. A lot of people are saying this is the people's main event. Jorge finds himself over – it's they're doing this shit on typology where it's a future thing, but I think Jorge is what, minus 210? Uh, yeah, I'm seeing about minus 230 plus 190. Oh, yeah, minus, I got it now. Minus 215 for Dustin Poirier plus 185 for Mike Chandler. Um, look, if there's a five-round fight, I would love Poirier even more, but I just think that – Chandler is very open about the fact that he is here to entertain. I don't think he even, I mean, he's 36. He has some crazy exciting fights. I think he's here to cash out. Um, I think Poirier's in a similar spot where Poirier loves to, to stand and bang. I just well, think the thing works- about both these guys and guys like Gaethje and guys, this whole kind of old regime of, of lightweight is that none of them are getting past Islam. And so at this point, are they there to put on a show? Are they there to collect a paycheck? 
probably, even though that sounds painful to but say. But I just think I just think Poirier is a little bit more technical about doing that. Does that make sense? Like I feel like Poirier is thinking that, but Poirier is still going to try to edge the fight out. Where I think Michael Chandler is going to be like, I'm going to blow the roof off this building, win or lose. Um, we were pretty high, both of us, on Gaethje over Chandler, um, and I tend to think. Dustin Poirier is just even another step above Gagey in terms of the technical boxing, in terms of the combo, in terms of the defense. And so I think that if Chandler doesn't have a wrestle heavy Khabib like game plan. Exactly. And he's not. Yeah. And he just, he, he hasn't never, he hasn't shown ever that he can do that. And against a guy like Dustin Poirier, it's not just like you can just snap your fingers and do that. No, so that's I do big, think that man. the line's moving in the right direction, having opened closer to like minus 155. And either get on it or you're no, going to miss man, it. But you said it. That's you it. Have already missed it. You said it. That's it. We were on. We were on Gaethje. Chandler, if he implements a less entertaining wrestling game plan, he could win this fight. I truly believe in my heart of hearts. He has no intentions on doing that. I think they're going to stand and bang. Dustin Poirier is the best boxer or top three at lightweight. I, I, I think Chandler loses via decision, which I know is contradictory. So I think a lot of people think this is going to end, but they both have granite chins. Um, any play for you here, Dan? It's tough because I want to play for you. Yeah. Um, 200 I love steep. where the lines move. Yeah, 200 yeah. steep. 200 steep. Um, I, I think I might do a part of parlay of Poirier Blanchfield um maybe add Reyes to make it like plus 170 I, I was thinking about that too um it'll be officially posted on Twitter for sure uh but that's I I don't think I'm gonna play it straight Dan it would be a parlay ad co-main event first belt on the line 115 strap Carlos Sparza, the defending champion against challenger Whaley Zhang the line though is I, I I this is right up there with the Neil Magny Shavkat is how wrong I got this. Whaley Zhang is sitting at a just an absolute mammoth of a favorite. She is minus 330. Carla Esparza plus 275. And there's got to be a level of disrespect there. I don't care how this fight really plays out. It could be a one punch, one flurry rush where Zhang knocks her out. But Esparza is a phenomenal wrestler. Yep. She gets constantly overlooked. Um and it's because that's really the only thing that she does phenomenally. Yeah, she's boring and to hold she the belt twice, doing one thing, it's tough. Um, but yeah, it, I, I can't pay the Whaley price at minus 330. I, I could see a situation where Esparza wins two rounds and make a, a third close with some wrestling. We saw Rose land a takedown in the fifth against Whaley, where Whaley yep. had like zero inkling of movement, zero inkling of shrimping, zero inkling of creating space to get up. Yep. And Esparza has a lot more top pressure than that. Uh, yeah. That being said, she's been or Wei Li's been training with Zahudo at fight ready, so I've got to expect that it's a little better. But I can't pay three thirty on. I gotta expect it's a little better. Um, Wei Li Zhang's an absolute monster of a human. She's a beast, but she has shown twice now to display very lackluster fight IQ. And I think that Carlos Barza has an opportunity to wet blanket her way to a defense. 
I, I think I like Whaley Zing at minus 110. I love Whaley Zing. I think that Whaley Zing is a bigger, stronger, more powerful version of JJ. She has good takedown defense and so on and so forth. But what she showed in that split decision loss to Rose, even though I thought she won, um, was deficiencies. And I think that Carlos Sparza, this line is disrespectful because of who Carlos Sparza is. Um, that boring shit fest with Rose. Um, but she dominated Yao Zhanan. She beat up Marina Rodriguez, Alexa Grasso, John Jaroba. Um, it's not like she's just beating up on absolute bums. And so I, I think that this is definitely her toughest test. And we will, you will know within the first five minutes if you've won or lost backing either side. If in the first five minutes, Carlos Barza is getting takedowns at will, you can rip your Whaley Zang ticket up. You're fucked. But if Carlos Barza gets stuffed once, maybe twice, she's going to go to sleep. And, and that's kind of how I see it. I, I love um, that you said that. And I love that you kicked it off with, if I could get it at minus 110, I'd be on Whaley. Because that's what you got for Whaley inside the distance in a five-round fight where she should hurt Carla. And if you like that side, that's the, that's what you play, not the 330. Don't touch it. Problem, though, Dan, public is on that exact ticket. Yeah, uh, that's why it's not going to see my card. I'm just saying yeah. that if you're on the way Lee side and you also see it, like you and I both see it, Carla's going to get hurt or she's going to land takedown. Yeah. She's going to make this up I, I think I'm she's going to get hurt. I think I actually am going to sprinkle a little bit on Carla just because of the fact that this line is so disrespectful. And I'm in the value hunting game. And I think that, like you said, if Whaley Zing charges out the there. the value hunting game, but you're not on Dan Hooker, you're exposing yourself. No, Dan Hooker is a fraud. I've never been on Dan Hooker. Run the tape. I have never been on Dan Hooker. I was on Oh, I, I, I know I was on an island on that. Uh, Nazrat. Yeah, I was on Nazrat. Where he was just dominant. I've never been on Dan Hooker, but I can't even mention his name anymore. I'm so dumb. But you're going to put, you're going to put the Claudio oh, players in the conversation with, Poirier, Chandler, Islam, and Arnold Allen, because I'm not ready to do that. I'm just not ready to do that. No, I'm not either, but Dan Hooker's a fraud. Okay. Um, I thought you were on Paul Felder, too. I was on Paul Felder, and he did win that fight. I, I've never backed to Hooker, so just add anyone else. And Yes, I was on the other side. Do you know who I was on? I was on fucking Ross Pearson against Dan Hooker, and he was doing well until that knee shot up the gut. So I was on Gilbert you. Burns against fucking – I also was on Poha Burns. That was a fluke, though. That was a fluke. But, Dan, you've got to stop derailing us. This podcast is going to take forever. Sorry to all our listeners. Dan is actually beating his meat to Hooker, the prospect of Hooker in City Kickboxing. Dan, I'm, sprinkle, I'm sprinkling Carlos Sparza just a little bit because of value. No, Dan Hooker's not value. Okay. Oh, that's, that's false. I'm going to max you to Dan Hooker. <laughs> No, we're, we're, we're ain't blocking over. Okay. Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira. One of the most interesting fights as a capper I think I've ever been a part of. For the reason that you have an undefeated at 185 mixed martial artist with 24 professional fights against a guy who has seven professional fights, one loss on the regional scene, and has had like two or three, three UFC fights. Um, and the big catapult for him out of the UFC fights was that of Sean Strickland, which no disrespect to Sean Strickland. I'm not saying that, but like 
or Manson got his off on Sean Strickland. Um, Sean Strickland's great, but like, this is, this is a, this is a fast come up for Alex Pereira. No doubt. Adding the fact. It's a lot to do with who's holding the belt, who's across from him. It is. So adding the fact for anyone, anyone listening to this knows, but Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira's crossed paths twice before, both in glory kickboxing and Alex Pereira got the better of him both times. One via KO, only man to ever do it. And then one via decision. So let's start by breaking down even just high level those fights. In the first one, we've got a really close decision where the volume numbers are Izzy's. Um, power is going to be even throughout the second and third and probably to till death is going to be on the side of Alex Pohatan Pereira because I don't know another guy in the world who's got a power advantage over him. Um, but he did land some big shots in that fight. I do think that a lot of those were glancing on the guard of Izzy with the, the big kickboxing gloves. That won't be a factor in this time. But I, I, it, was, it was a close decision. Ultimately, Pereira got it based on the less volume but bigger shots. In the second fight, Izzy opens up. Izzy's catching him everywhere. Alex is eating shots. Is he gets to the point where he's almost got him knocked out. He's on skates, standing eight count, which is not something that happens in MMA. In MMA, if you're on skates and your your opponent's team up on you with elbows, they call the fight and it's over. The ref doesn't come in and give you eight seconds to get your get your wits about you last until the end of the round and figure your shit out. And at that point, that's what it that's what happens. Is he lasts until the end of the round? They come out in the third. Um, all props to Pereira. I, I think Izzy will say it too. It's not a lucky shot. He set it up beautifully and landed his patented left hook right on the chin. Avoid and, the left and, hook. Yeah, and and ended Izzy's night. So, like you said, he got stretchered out of the octagon. Both guys had significant moments in both fights. Neither fight was one sided, although the record is 2 0. Here, here's what I'm going to say, Dan, and I've thought a ton about this fight. And if you told me Sunday morning and I missed these fights that Alex Pereira knocked out Israel Adesanya with the left hook, I'd be like, wow, I believed it. I would believe it. I would say I totally could see it happening. Just wow. Um, but more realistically is you're going to see a fight that, t- that looks similar to Cannoneer, Whitaker, Vittori, Costa, Romero, Whitaker, Gastelum, Silva, Brunson, Tavares, Vittori, Wilkinson. The, if this was a glory kickboxing fight, the odds would probably be in favor of Alex Pereira. If we're being real, I mean, you're two and zero. You would think that he would probably win the third. I'm not even sure about that. Just go with me. Let's just say marginally. This is minus one eighty five for a reason, or minus two fifteen for a reason, and it's because this is a mixed martial arts fight. I genuinely, at my heart, Dan, think we're going to see Israel Adesanya potentially shoot. I'm not I sure should, about that. I, I thought that generally, at the beginning of the week, but I'm not sure. I think that the narrative is really playing into the fact that people think Pereira is just the better kickboxer and the better fighter. And I, you know me, I always look to not back Izzy. And you know me, I'm a homer. I'm sitting here wearing an Izzy Adesanya shirt where I saw him beat Robert Whitaker for the second time. 
like you said, oh. there's a narrative going around that Izzy needs to shoot, that Izzy needs to grapple to beat a guy named Alex Pereira. And I'm telling you that I think he doesn't. And I think that his footwork, his accuracy, and his speed advantages will, will show a lot on Saturday night. And I think that he hurts him. Uh, he gets the finish. The, the, the pace is part of it for, from both uh, the first and second kickboxing fight. Obviously, they've got a whole different size of glove, and the level of defense is completely different versus one of these guys and one of these guys. Just, like, imagine trying to block something, and it's just, like, a full shield, not a full shield. Um, they set that same pace that they set in the first fight or the second fight. Someone's going to sleep. I tend to think it's the guy who's less accurate and has less speed and has less movement around the cage. The only thing I do like is if Izzy loses, I think Whitaker dismantles Pereira and then the reign of Whitaker is back, which I'm excited for. So, um, And I don't want – the last thing I'll say is I don't want people to have this narrative be that I think Pereira is only a left-hander, he's only power. He's got – a whole versatile arsenal of strikes in his tool belt. I'm talking spinning wheel kicks. I'm talking knees. I know how dangerous this guy is. I know it. And I think that Izzy's as defensively sound as they come. And Izzy knows something that we don't know, to quote the man himself. Except Izzy also said Alex Pereira should be the favorite in this fight, which is such a weird thing to say. But um, here, but he's also a troll, so... So a lot happened in this APP. Great news and notes. I was on one early, zoned in late. Ankle lock in flux. Dan's going to try to convince me of Dan Hooker, but I'm staying firm on Carlos Olberg. A Malort bet is in action but on the Haneta Moicano, Brad Riddell fight. And it sounds like we're both on Izzy and we have a pretty jam-packed card. So Jam-packed card. Run through it real quick. You know I'm on Olberg. Yep. Uh, nothing to do with city kickboxing. It has to do stylistically that Negu Mariano is going to rush forward and get tagged. Uh, potentially on Choi, potentially on Frivola, back to city kickboxing. Again, has nothing to do with the gym, has to do with Riddell's sprawl and brawl and Moicano's lack of wrestling. Brings us to the hooker play. Potentially my biggest play of the night. Nothing to do with city kickboxing. Again, we've got stylistically a guy who's got one way of victory versus a well-rounded mixed martial artist who has a history of shutting the gate on guys that aren't ready for top 10. And I'm telling you, Claudio Puel is not at the same level as the Arnold Allens, the Islam Makachevs, the Michael Chandlers, the Dustin Poirier's. Moving on to Dustin Poirier, potentially thinking about a play for him. Uh, like I said, the number's getting a little bit steep. Maybe if I can get the right side of uh, 200, I'll, I'll be on that. But right now it doesn't look like it. And then Izzy Adesanya, the last leg, I'm not talking about a city kickboxing parlay, but the last leg of the domination night uh, for city kickboxing is the guy who I think is the superior striker of potentially the best two strikers we've ever seen at middleweight. And I'm talking about Anderson Silva under the table when I say that. Okay, well, Dan's totally not a fan of city kickboxing or anything. I'll run through mine quick. Carlos Olberg, love it. Um, Going to try to convince Dan to ankle lock. Might be on Sengwu Choi. Probably will find myself there. Um, might sprinkle. I'm probably going to sprinkle Wellington Terman for just a tad. Uh, maybe not. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield, Dustin Poirier parlay for a unit. Uh, maybe two. 
And then if I can convince myself to get on Dom Reyes, I'll find myself there as well. Sprinkling Carla Esparza because of value. And that is it. Maybe I'll throw uh, Dominic Reyes and Izzy. So Aaron Blanchfield, Dustin Poirier, Dominic Reyes, Izzy. It just seems a little too fishy, but that would pay like three to one or some shit. So might be there as well. Uh, that's going to do it for the ankle pick pod. We will catch you for set the spread come Monday. Kobe, give me the nod. Come Monday. I assume. Well, let me double check. We got another card next week, right? Louis Feeback or do we have a week off? No, we, next week. Louis Feeback. Great. So we'll come at you Monday next week. A lot of content dropping. To check out the Malort Bet, subscribe to Twitter or follow Twitter. Follow fucking TikTok. Follow YouTube. Follow all that shit. We're up in our game, boys. Uh... Oh, ha! Oh, I'm edgy, mate, mate. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.